All right, everybody, welcome to the Musical Splitting Podcast. I am your host and apparently closet enthusiast, Cavitarian. <laughs> and I am Donnie Osmond Lover, 1987, Angelina Mian. Oh, 87, that's a very specific year. Well, it's the year I was born. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Just from the womb, you knew that you loved this man. I just knew. I came out going, you know, what I like is just the most clean cut American hairless man. I've ever seen. Man, hairless. Can't relate to that except for the top of my head. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, as you guessed, uh, the reason I said closet enthusiast is because I'm filming in the closet today because there's a lot of construction in front of our house once again, which may or may not come into the recording. Hopefully not, but it sounds like it's pretty good. Anyway, today we are here to talk about a man named Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat. Uh, Yeah. For which you're very excited to talk about. <laughs> I have. So, there's so much about this show that is one very interesting to me, just in in terms of, I guess, the history of um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, who composed it, um, mm-hmm. in terms of where it sits in musical theater in general. And also, I just have so much personal trauma. Oh, my God. Trauma. Show. Tell me who hurt you. Did Joseph. Oh, <laughs> oh. I mean, I have a long list of people who've hurt me, but the show is pretty high up towards the top. But it also has like a very like weirdly nostalgic place in my heart. So it's a a lot of conflicting feelings. Like this is my personal like, uh, I don't know, like my personal struggle that I carry with me are um, is just like summing up my feelings about Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. So I'm very excited to talk about it today. All right, that's good. Uh, yeah. My only, my only understanding of Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, I think, was didn't Kramer wear some crazy like jacket in one of the Seinfeld episodes? Uh, that sounds like something Kramer I would feel do. Like, I yeah, <laughs> there was one where they thought he was like a pimp. I think that's the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh. I could be wrong. I, I honestly don't remember, but I could see him going, "Hey Jerry, look at this coat I got." Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's Kramer. You got to see yes. this coat. It's amazing. I'll have to confirm it. Yeah. I'm sure somebody is listening to this and screaming at us and saying, yes, it is. Or no, it's not. But I'm sure we'll find out later. But no, that's all I really know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Seinfeld Uh, over 89 is just pissed (laughs) right now. Uh, I always confuse the title of this with Jesus Christ Superstar, but they are both Andrew Lloyd Webber. Are they around the same time, sort of, or... Yeah, so this is actually, um, and we'll get into it more, but this was Andrew Lloyd Webber's like, first publicly performed show. Um, it is a Bible story. If Sorry, spoiler okay. alert right here. Yeah, um, and just like Jesus Christ Superstar, can you imagine? Yeah. So this was first, I think, performed publicly in 1969, but we'll, we'll get into that later. But Joseph the Amazing okay. Technicolor Dreamcoat uh, came first, then Jesus Christ Superstar happened a few years later, and then... Joseph kind of picked up a bit more traction in terms of finishing it because it wasn't finished. I'll I'll just leave it at that. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Yeah, they're very close to each other. And you can definitely hear them in each other. I'll say that. Very similar. Okay. So this is where it starts then. Yes. This is this is where it starts. Totally. Yeah. Completely different shows, tonally, but but like you can hear a lot of like the Angeloid Weber isms just starting to happen. And he also wrote the lyrics with Tim Rice for the show too. This was also uh, their first, their first publicly performed collaboration, not their first show they wrote together, but um, the first one that was publicly performed, and then they wrote Jesus Christ Superstar together. And yeah, you just you you hear both. All right, so let's just get into the notes then. Uh, yeah. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. For some reason, I thought it said Democrat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Amazing Technicolor Democrat. Democrat. That should be uh, a thing for the midterms. That's a good way oof. to market. Yeah. Uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat is a 1990. Oh, right. So we're watching the 1999 direct-to-video film directed by David Mallet Mallet. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, based Mallet, on the I ni- believe. Mallet, uh, based yeah. on the 1972 sung through musical stage comedy with lyrics by Tim Rice and music by everyone's favorite Andrew Lloyd Webber with the story taken from the book of Genesis chapters 37 through 47 roughly. So God gets a writing credit. Hewing closely in structure, if not tone, to this old chestnut of a Bible story, Joseph concerns the exploits of the Jacob, the Jacob. Yes. For that's not the the, I'm smart at reading. Uh, patriarch yeah. of three major world religions and his 12 sons, primarily his second youngest and favorite son, Joseph, to whom he shows his love by gifting the boy a brightly colored coat. So this is in the Bible, actually. Yes. Yep. Oh, I don't know anything about this. Man, I'm so sorry for what you're about to experience then. Okay, all right. <laughs> the the gesture of favoritism is the final nail in the coffin for Joseph's scorned brothers who subsequently sell him into slavery. Oh man, talk about a fucking sibling rivalry. Jesus. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Uh, and lie about his death to dad as you do. From there, hijinks ensue. Wow, this is uh this is this is like an Old Testament thing or New yeah, Testament? Yeah, this is thing? Okay. It's in the very first book of the okay. Bible and and the Tanakh and yeah. So uh, it's 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 about as old school as it gets. A very angry God. Yes, yeah. So if you you have Abraham, and then you have his son Isaac, and then you have Jacob, and that's like how early it goes back into like the three major world religions. Did you grow up religious at all? I don't know if I've uh, ever asked you. This. I grew up super Catholic. Um, oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not like mean, but just like it. It was like a huge part of my life. I'm. Mm-hmm. I consider myself like. I guess agnostic now. These are stories that you are not unfamiliar with the way that I'm unfamiliar with pretty much all yeah. things religious. Not yeah. religious at all? I mean, barely. It was like my grand. Mm. I, I've probably mentioned this before, but like my grandmother was sort of Muslim and then that's basically mm. it. But we didn't, I don't know any stories. I'd never read the Quran, I, just nothing. So I think I know more about Christianity just because we had to read parts of the Bible and like world history, like sure. English class or something. But like, yeah. I, yeah, that's basically the extent of my knowledge of any religious stories. Oh, barring man. stuff that shows up in pop culture. But yeah, I'm pretty religious explaining. But <laughs> yeah, this is sorry. We're taking a really hard pivot. This is the new format. It's called religious explaining. <laughs> anyway, okay. So Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat was the first publicly performed collaboration between Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice, who would later go on together to write musical blockbusters like Jesus Christ Superstar and Evita, as he's mentioned. Uh, its first iteration was a 15 minute pop cantata. That's not a frittata, is it? What is that? What's no. a pop cantata? A pop cantata is when you put popcorn in a frittata, uh, <laughs> and then you put it in a can. That sounds delicious. I would actually right? like to have. Did they have those at the performance? Oh, they sell nothing but pop cantatas at the lobby for Joseph the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. You can barely get your hands on them. Delicious. Mm, delicious. Uh, cantata is a, a musical term, I assume. Yes. Yeah, it's just like basically a sung ditty. A, a what? <laughs> a, a, like a, a sung story, Diddy. I'm not. <laughs> all the all the music majors are gonna be pissed at me. We got Seinfeld fans mad. We got music fans mad. I'm sure we're pissing off religious people today too. So it's the best way to have your podcast go is to have everyone screaming at it. Just um, fantastic. <laughs> a 15 minute pop cantata written when Weber was 17 and Rice was 20. Damn, that's super young. Over the next several years, the show was gradually expanded with its professional premiere as a 35-minute musical in 1972. Oh, it's so short. Following the gangbuster success of Jesus Christ Superstar in the early 70s, Weber and Rice hopped on those pop Bible coattails and produced their near-finished version of the West on the West End in 1973, finalizing it the following year. In 1982, it had its official Broadway debut where it picked up six Tony nominations. So this is like a, he did it. He went and did a famous thing and then went back and sort of reworked it. Yeah, they um, saw that Jesus Christ Superstar, which made like so much money for them. That was like mm-hmm. their first really huge financial success. And they were like, well, they liked one Bible musical. We might as well go back. Give them another. 
Um, since then, Joseph has had several major revivals and national tours, according to Andrew Lloyd Webber's production company in 2008, The Really Useful Group. That sounds mm. like a front. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber's just like laundering drug money and producing yeah, I was musicals. Say. What a monster. <laughs> Uh, more than 20,000 schools and amateur theater groups have mounted productions of Joseph. So I imagine it's a pretty simple one to put on if it's uh, if it's that prevalent. Yeah. And we'll get into that in a minute, too. OK. Uh, the film version produced by Lloyd Webber and his production company stars Donnie Osmond in the title role and West End legend Maria Friedman as the narrator. It also features cameos from noted British pop culture icons like Richard Attenborough and Joan Collins. Richard Attenborough, of course, being uh, the old man from Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes, and Miracle on 34th Street. I don't know what dirt Andrew Lloyd Webber had on him at the time, but he's interesting. In he's, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's doing it. Osmond, yeah. who's, who has played the role on stage multiple times and who is also quoted as saying that this is his most embarrassing moment on stage, happened during Joseph when his loincloth fell off. Yeah. So refresh my memory because I just sort of read through these and don't remember. It's This is like a pro shot. This is not like yeah, a film film. It's well, see, this is where it's going to get really interesting because it presents itself and it's filmed like a film, uh, but it's very much staged like a stage show. And there's some huge, like weird visual, like cognitive dissonance that happens in this. So it's technically, yeah, it's a film. And um, David Mallett, who directed it, uh, I I didn't know this about him, but he Mm -hmm. is a huge music video director, in particular in the 70s and 80s. So he worked a lot with like David Bowie and Freddie Mercury. The first video I can think of that he did of was uh, Let's Dance with David Bowie. Nice. Um, But like, so he's just like, I've never heard of him. I looked up his filmography and it's just like he worked with every like big act in the 70s and 80s that you could think of. And it does feel in a lot of ways like a very long music video. It, I mean, it's staged. a musical. It kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. But the, the thing that is very weird about it, and I think you'll notice it as soon as you start watching it, is it's mm-hmm. blocked like a stage show and people are playing to the camera like it's a stage show. And it's also a very English show. Like the sense of humor is very dry, dry. and British. And Donny Osmond is the most American thing I can think of for better or worse, you know, okay. like, and it, there's, it just is, it's, there's a lot going on visually with this okay. uh, movie, but it's technically a film. No, and would you think this is the sort of the definitive version of a, of a filmed version of it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, yes. I'm sure there's a pro <laughs> shot that exists somewhere. Right. But this would be uh, yes. more. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, I think when people think of Joseph, if they have an experience with it, they have probably seen this movie. Okay, speaking of experience with it, please tell us how Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat hurt you. So, Inquiring minds um, <laughs> want to know. <laughs> uh, so in eighth grade, and again, I have to bring it back to my, my dad. Uh, that was the mm-hmm. same year he had passed away. And my dad, one of the last things he was like really encouraging me to do was to try out for my middle school production of it. And I went to a public middle school. And mm-hmm. I think the only way that doing a Bible show slid is that this show feels not particularly religious like okay at all like even though it's a bible story it it, there's not really a lot of like moments where it feels like you're being proselytized to so i I do think about i'm like i went to a public school that had a large non-christian student population but we still did it anyway and so i tried out for it and this will probably make more sense after you've seen it but there's only one leading role for women Mm-hmm. written for women in the show. After that, it's all just like various tiers of the chorus. Like there's okay. slightly bigger chorus parts and then there's like the broad chorus. And so one girl gets this part. Then there's like the chorus where all the girls who are called back for the narrator fill in. And then there's the big chorus. And I was in that middle tier and okay. girls are mean. Middle school girls <laughs> are so, so mean and middle school so boys yeah. are incredibly I was mean. Say, people in everyone middle school is terrible. Generally middle school speaking. is 
awful. And so usually that 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 mid-tier chorus plays Jacob's wives because Jacob had, you know, a shit ton of wives, as you did back in the day. And usually the wives dance a lot with the sons, which don't think about that too deeply. But like, OK, all right. I, I was a very awkward kid. In, in eighth grade, I still am an awkward kid as a 35-year-old yeah. woman almost. But, <laughs> You're an um, awkward woman now. You're not an awkward, I'm an awkward kid. <laughs> I'm an, excuse you. I blossomed into adult. <laughs> a beautiful awkward woman in emerging from my musical theater chrysalis here. <laughs> the, the issue was that nobody wanted to be the brother that danced with me because I was very Aww. weird looking. And so like I was like super bullied as it was going on. It was supposed Aww. to be the thing that like brought me out of my shell after a very right. traumatic family event. And I sucks. also had a, no, it's okay. Like I'm actually totally fine talking about it now. It's given me a lot of clarity about how I want to be as an adult because it was also mm-hmm. instigated by the director and the choreographer. So this mid-tier course also does like a lot of background dancing. And there was okay. a day where we were blocking choreography and all the other, like we'll call them wives, were mm-hmm. learning it. And I had not been called up. And I remember asking and the choreographer said to me, well, I just don't think you'll look good with the rest of the wives. What? Right? Like, right. What the, the fuck? fuck? I have so many scars from this fucking show. And when you see how Jesus car- and it's a show for children, I want to make this like very clear, like as much as easy as it is to dunk on it, it is it is written for children. Um, I didn't put this in okay. the notes, but how it originated was Andrew Lloyd Webber was, you know, this young songwriter. And he had um, a family friend named Alan Doggett mm-hmm. who taught choir at a school. For children mm-hmm. and Alan Doggett had commissioned Lloyd Webber to write a something fun to sing for like the end of the year show at the school. And they wanted something along the lines of like they had done Bible stories before, just like something fun for kids to sing. And that was easy for kids to sing. And uh, at the same time, he had just been introduced to Tim Rice and Tim Rice was 20 at the time. So they were both very young. Tim Rice had also just been signed by EMI, like not even in like music writing, just but like somewhere in management, I think. And, you know, Tim Rice was so excited like to write music. This is like right as the Beatles are hitting, like Sgt. Pepper's Only Heart Club Band has come out. Angelie Weber in his memoir said, I was really excited to write musicals because I heard Sonny and Cher's I've Got You, Babe. And that had an oboe in a pop song. He was like, yes, it's like you can do anything. You can have pop with instruments. You can do whatever. And uh, so Tim Rice really wanted to, you know, write something cool and heavy. But they got commissioned to write a 15 minute thing for kids. And they were looking for inspiration. I think they did everything from like James Bond to like like Beatrix Potter. I don't but mm-hmm. they landed. They didn't want to do a Bible story, but then they saw a children's illustrated like Bible book and they saw Joseph and it seemed like. A fairly like it had a very good like hero's journey kind of thing. It was okay, you know, yeah, pretty yeah. innocuous and, you know, it had an interesting main character. Uh, so they that's why they wrote it. And that's how <laughs> it ended up the way it was. So it is. Plus a, the uh, executives these days would say there's this is a pre-existing IP and there's a built in audience. <laughs> right. There's such a, <laughs> there's such a huge audience for this Bible. Audience for Jesus. Yeah. yeah they really like this guy. Yeah. yeah. So they, they wrote they wrote this show. That's what it is. And it, it is a a kid's show like it does not make any apology for that but again some of the stylistic choices in this film in particular rub up against that but so Mm. yeah like that that whole experience happened to me and I quit and I ended up playing my my band teacher saw this whole thing go down and knew I was just like Mm -hmm. a sad little kid and asked me if I wanted to play in the pit and the pit was all like retired adults and college students <laughs> in the orchestra. Yes. Yeah, so if I wanted to play yeah, in the mosh pit. Can you just pit, go around throwing punches and helicopters? Oh, man. There. I was picking up pennies and skanking all over that production. <laughs> it, was, it was it was like, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. That's when I'd go see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
was just like a rude boy in the uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat Orchestra. But no, I played French horn in the orchestra for it. So like there's a lot of oh, it nice. that's like still in my brain. And, you know, I didn't really have a lot of friends in middle school, but the people who I have stayed in touch with since then, like everybody was in the show because once again, it's written for schools in particular. That's how it started out. Mm -hmm. So you can have, it has a massive chorus. Like it's one of those shows where it's like somebody gets something to do. Yeah. And the chorus is huge. Like it is a, it is a very fun so show to sing, at least in my opinion, as a kid, because there's like interesting harmonies, but they're not too complex. Is there a, a section for recorders in there so that kids can come in and play those? No, but there is a lot of children going, ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, did you ever have to learn recorder? I totally did. Oh, when I, was in I, in I absolutely yeah. had to learn recorder, and I was so bad at it. And it was like I, <laughs> I desperately wanted to be good at it too, because I was like, as a very young age, saw Beauty and the Beast too many times, and I was like, I like music, and I failed. I got it. I got it. Yeah. People have been asking about Twister the musical, and I think we need to have a recorder section in there so that we can actually license it out to schools because that's where the money is. No, like you hear like a recorder like leaf motif every time like the, the tornado is about to come here. Like, and you're like, like, and then someone hits the note off. Yeah. Oh, and you're like, oh fuck, and then a giant windsock comes down. And it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna happen. I can't wait. Um, One day. But yeah, so it is, it is, um, I know a lot of people who have done this show at some point in their life, usually like middle school. It's, it's like a tad too childish for high school, but a little too mm -hmm. hard than just like your usual, like children's school play. It's like right, right in that middle, right in that like sweet spot. And yeah, I have a lot of friends who either like detest this show because it was foisted upon mm -hmm. them at a very young age, or they just like secretly love it. Like I'll tweet about it and people will be like, fuck yeah, I want to play the narrator. Yeah. I love Go, 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 Joseph. Or people just look at me like, I, I watched it again this week and I asked my my husband, Nick, if he wanted to come and watch it with me. And he had seen it before. And he turned to me. And this is a man who will watch Love Never Dies with me. He will watch <laughs> the Joel Schumacher Phantom of the Opera movie. He turned to look at me and he said, I'm sorry. He started, I'm sorry, but I just uh -oh. don't like this. And he went to go. This is drawing a line. <laughs> and then he, like, he said, I just don't like this. And he turned around immediately and went to go wash the dishes and did not speak about it again with oh, me. Oh, <laughs> man. Washing dishes instead of watching this fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to. I, I Watching it again, I. I want to, I don't know if I should apologize or not, but I think, I think you're going to have a lot of fun with this. I don't know if Sarah has any opinions about it. Like, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't think I've asked her about it. Yeah. Before. I don't know if she has feelings about it, but it's one of those shows that like just evokes really strong emotion in people. Okay. Yeah. As religion tends to. Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was going to ask you, I'm sorry. Did you say, did, had you seen this before you guys were uh, commissioned to do the stage show? Uh, in school or did, was that your first experience with no, it? No, my, my, this was, that was my absolute first experience with it. And I only knew like something about it because the taped version of cats, the 1998 mm -hmm. pro shot was directed by the same man, David Mallet. Oh, okay, okay. When, when you got that VHS video, the only trailer before it was like just the logo of the show, like zoomed in really tight, pulling out. With, yes. Like, I remember this because yes. we watched that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was all I knew about it. And I was like, well, I like cats. Please don't answer so, that with anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just gonna let that hang out there like a bad smelling yeah. fart. And I, I, I <laughs> thank you. My silent but deadly <laughs> drops right here. Um, <laughs> I knew Jesus Christ Superstar and Evita, even though I didn't really associate them with Angela Webber. I just kind of like knew about their existence and some of the songs from it. So I was like, okay, I think I think I can vibe with this. But um, I, I've that was my first experience with it, and I've seen multiple productions of it. At you this have. point, including did you see it like on Broadway proper or, or just like 
uh, local community theater kind of stuff. I've seen like a lot of community theater productions of it. And then I saw okay. a national touring production of it, a, a professional touring production of it uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago that was incredibly low budget, but like the actors were like so committed that it was actually, it ended up being a lot of fun. I didn't pay for it. So that was like the other thing. Okay. too. <laughs> it was a free ticket. I sat with my friend's dad who was, you know, had no idea what he was watching. So that was, that was very fun. Uh. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming this is longer than 35 minutes, which you had put in yeah. the notes was his first workshop version, though. Yeah, I think it's about an hour and 20 minutes total. So it, okay, it so is it's on, a short one, Yeah, too. it does. I will say, watching this, it feels longer than an hour and 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> Great. Yeah. Looking forward to this one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, but I, I I do have a very soft spot for it. I And watching it, just cringing at myself, like going, why are you mm-hmm. like that? Like, that was all this, this was for me when I was watching it again. I was like, why are you like this? Like, why? Why? Like, I listened to uh, the London cast recording of it all week this week while I was out walking just because I hadn't listened to it in a while. And I was just like, uh, it's all pastiche. Like every single song in this mm-hmm. is 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 playing off of some kind of genre of music. And there's only a couple yeah. songs that sound like Andrew Lloyd Webber. And when they happen, you're like, oh, oh, oh. But the rest of it is just yeah. like, oh, an insane game of Russian roulette as to what you're going to get. <laughs> That's kind of that's kind of how it goes too when you're first. I mean, he's he's so young here when he's yeah, writing it, right? You're yeah, just, you're pulling from your influences that you know to try and form your own identity. So right, yeah, uh, that that kind of makes sense. Okay, well, um, I think we should uh, go ahead and go to break and go watch it. Unless there's anything else you wanted to prep me with before we went and saw it. Um, just you're gonna see a lot of Donny Osmond that I don't think you ever thought you would. Is see. loincloth dropping? No, that oh. was just a <laughs> that would be great if that did happen in a professionally shot film like it happened yeah. and they were like you know what fuck you donny osmond <laughs> we're leaving it in all right <laughs> all right going to this ad break and we will come back having watched it and get ready to discuss Woo! this episode is sponsored by curiosity stream a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and non-fiction titles such as my comic shop country which sets out on a quest to explore the culture, business, and fandom of comic shops across America. Being a comic maker myself, I really enjoyed this film. Oh, you didn't know that I make comics? Oh, hey, guess what? I have a life outside this podcast, thank you very much. You can also get access to our streaming video service, Nebula, when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators. Not saboteurs, vandals, or wasters. They come with fire. They come with axes. Gnawing, biting, breaking, hacking, burning. Destroyers and usurpers. Curse them! So why do I need Nebula if I've already got CuriosityStream? What? You're suddenly satisfied with just having one platform? This is not the way. Besides... CuriosityStream is all about big-budget, non-fiction videos, and Nebula is a place for smaller, independent, education-type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original, my apologies to Martin Scorsese, content from creators like Legal Eagle, Sarah Zed, and one Lindsay Ellis. So you can get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year by visiting curiositystream.com slash musical splaining. Once you use the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula giving you access to the goods. And welcome back. 
I'm we in, are back. Yeah. <laughs> What's quite the journey we, <laughs> we was, went on. Was it a real dream coat of a show for you? It, it was uh, JoJo Dream Co. is what I kept referring to it. I'm sure you've noticed in the full term. So. <laughs> JoJo. Oh, which is awful because like we call my daughter JoJo and... Like I do sing, go, 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 Josie, you know what they this say. It's perfect. You can yeah. sing her JoJo Dream Co. Yeah. And then she'll have no idea what we're talking about. She'll be like, fuck you. I'm never going to watch a musical <laughs> again. Smart kid. Yeah. Smart kid. This is a good musical to show your kids at a very early age to like scare them away from musical theater entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Or show it to, you know, your kids when they're much older, like pushing 40, and then also scare them away from watching musicals forever as well. <laughs> Uh, but let's get into the summary of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, if there right. is a story. Joseph is this guy who's like loved, he's beloved by his dad, Jacob, yep. because Jacob, remi- it reminds him of his wife that has since passed away, uh, Joseph's mother. Yep. Rachel. Uh, which for some reason reminded me of that scene in The Godfather where he's like, let me be even more frank. She's the best piece of ass I ever had. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so he's favored because of this, and Joseph apparently has dreams, you know, dream dream color, de- technicolor dream coat. Yep. Uh, and all of his brothers are pissed about that because they're like, dude, that's really not cool that you are a prophet. But really, he's just like into astrology, essentially. Yeah. Right? That's and, kind and, of- and all of his dreams are really like about how great he is, to be fair. Yeah. Like that- <laughs> I had those too. Yeah. <laughs> I had dreams once. Yeah. I had dreams where I was better than my brothers and my brother and sister. I was like, guess what? Last night I dreamed that I ruled and you fucking drooled. And yeah. like that that's basically what all of his dreams are. So you kinda can't blame the brothers for just being very annoyed with him constantly. Yeah, and in an effort to win Father of the Year, Jacob win- Jacob gets like a really expensive nice coat for his favorite son just yeah. to like remind just so everybody knows that that's his favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, predi- <laughs> and predictably, it doesn't go well. No. Doesn't go well. They don't nope. really like it. They don't really approve. They're not very happy about it. So mm-hmm. they get together and they they plot to destroy him. Yes, <laughs> yes. Originally, they were going to murder him, but then they see right. uh, like guys who will buy slaves just coming around, and like they're like, you know what? Lucky. How about we have an improv Let's make a moment? Profit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why do why do something for free when you can get paid for it? Right, exactly. So they sell Joseph into slavery, and then they go back to their father and lie and say that Joseph was, I think in this, killed by a goat. But yeah, like he's killed by right. an animal in the Bible story, and that's yeah. the lie they tell to their dad. Uh, and then Joseph rises through the ranks of slavery yeah. very quickly to yeah. become. What a turn <laughs> I guess of they say the story, right? Yeah, that's basically what they say. Yeah, rises through the ranks of slavery to become the number two to the number two, right? Yeah. Well, first the head of the household for like this very like uh, wealthy Egyptian Potiphar, who has yeah. a hot wife, um, who wants right. to fuck the shit out of Joseph. Joseph, yeah, him yeah. and his incredible head of hair. Which, by the way, dead ringer for me in college, as you saw from that photo. <laughs> you got to tweet that, Not man. Not the body, but the hair. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just the so, head of hair. Yeah, very. you're giving off major Donny Osmond vibes in, in that photo, <laughs> which it's a compliment, I promise. There's a compliment Why, there. Thank you. I appreciate it, yeah. Uh, so, so the wife tries to seduce Joseph, and Joseph gets caught and then thrown yeah. into prison. Um, prison yeah. and then more astrology follows because yes. he's just he's reading the tarot cards and mm-hmm. palms of the butler and the uh what was it the baker the butler and the chef the baker the yes. baker yeah yes meanwhile like egypt's like looking in the direction of like oh shit like 
the pharaohs having these dreams where like all these starving cows uh, are eating hungry cows, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Man, I gotta stop." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "I gotta <laughs> stop eating fried food before bed because <laughs> these dreams are really fucked up." And the butler, yeah. his butler, who is or his his, his cupbearer or whatever, who's in prison with Joseph, is like, "Wait a minute, I remember this guy who totally told me that you were going to spare me from prison. I think he could help you out." And so Joseph comes along and he goes to the Pharaoh and he's like, well, duh, clearly your dreams are telling you that there's going to be famine. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like clearly, clearly, man. And Pharaoh's like, oh, man, this kid's hot shit. And basically Joseph becomes his grand vizier. Yeah. And guides Egypt through the famine. Meanwhile, back in Canaan, his, where uh, Jacob and sons yeah. live, they are experiencing <laughs> French. They're experiencing they, they, French. They aren't having it suddenly. so well. Yeah, they turn into they there's, turn into French of, kids. Yeah, there's a lot of French ennui there. There's like basic, just like French sociology, like depression going on. Like they're feeling this enemy of like, wow, we miss our brother, and thing things suck really hard. So maybe we should go to Egypt and try to find food because apparently Egypt's you know doing well through this famine. So yeah. off the brothers go to Egypt. Where Joseph is like living high and mighty, um, where now a lot he's of- like this number two in command out of yeah. like every, he's like the Pharaoh's second hand man. So now he's like decked out and like, you know, he's he's dressed very well. He's got like the ceremonial garbs on and yeah. stuff. So they don't apparently recognize their own brother, which is weird. But yeah. whatever, that's minor plot point. Well, you know, it's just like he's got a lot of eyeliner on. Like to be fair. <laughs> I guess it's true, yeah. And it's probably from far away. They're not really looking at him up close. Right, right, right. And they're probably all just like looking down at their feet because it's like this guy. It's like when you go to yeah. a really nice restaurant and you're scared by the host because I get very anxious in social situations. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, just whenever you can get a table for me, it's fine. I don't want to look at you. Cause I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then, so Jacob, I mean, Joseph recognizes them immediately and he's like, you know what? I'm mm-hmm. going to fuck around with them a little bit because they tried to kill me. And. And find out. Yeah, yeah. They, they're going to find out what the who who they fucking throw in a pit and sold and then he the frames one of his brothers. Yeah, the youngest, Benjamin. Benjamin. Yes. Which I didn't really understand the point of that. It was, a, just, it was supposed to be like this test to yeah. see if they've like changed as people or not. Yeah, basically that's it. And yeah. uh, they're all like, whoa, no, Benjamin's a good kid. He didn't do this. And, and Joseph's like, well, okay, I guess they're different. They treat Benjamin nicer than they did to me, but I am kind of a prick. And then he reveals himself yeah. to be <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> and then, and then Jacob excited. comes. Yes. Everyone's reunited. The end. Pretty basic yeah, story. That's basically it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't, I, I assume for this version that we watched, which was the 2000, was 99 or 2000, the Donny Osmond version, yeah. that the framing device of it being like in a children's auditorium, being like a stage play yeah. is is for the film. It's not when you see it like on Broadway, it's not like a show within a show, I assume. Uh, no, I mean, I, that's kind of one of those shows where you can do a lot with it. Like I've seen productions mm-hmm. where there's like literally no set whatsoever and it's just all like... Everyone's in a T-shirt, you know, <laughs> so you can kind of do whatever you want with it. But yeah, this was just like this framing device was for the movie as as far as I'm aware, you know. Um, yeah. And it, it's it's very short. It clocked in about like an hour and 10 minutes, barely. Yeah. Yeah. With like credits and everything. And I, I have to yeah. ask you, did it feel like an hour and 10 minutes watching it? It felt like 10 hours and one minute more than one hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> like, yeah, rewatching it for the first time in a while, I was like, this is feels like it's at least a two hour show. Like I was like, this it's a longer show. Yeah. It's about a normal length show. And then as I was watching it, I was like, wait a minute. I, I hit like after he met the Pharaoh and it was already 50 minutes in. And I was like, wait a minute. Like 
but there's only 20 more minutes left. What the hell? You yeah. Know? <laughs> How are they going to wrap up this really complicated plot? Yeah. <laughs> that <amount of> time. <laughs> uh, there's just so much story to go through and uncover. And so many horny costumes. For a family show, there yeah, is... Yeah, what the fuck? I was going to say, it's supposed to be for kids. That was one of the notes I had where I was like, this is a children's show? There is so Spe- much. There's so much they just really want you to see Donny Osmond's nipples. Like, I guess maybe that's why a lot of musical theater kids loved it, because it's so like weirdly like inappropriate, maybe. And that's maybe like their coming of age where they're like, oh, I like... You know, bodies of this, like they're sort of being exposed to things that are probably a little too young to be exposed to. Yeah, I, I guess, I don't know, like Joan Collins and pasties right, surrounded right. by a bunch of women in pasties, just like writhing all over Donny Osmond and pulling his clothing right. off. And so, like, I, I had mentioned that my, my school did this in eighth grade, and it was right around the time my dad had passed away. And I have this very strong memory. My mom went out and she bought this on VHS, so you know I could watch it. She didn't rent it. She I thought you. It. I thought you were going to say your mom went out and bought a bunch of pasties for she you. She went actually. out. My mom went out and bought a bunch of pasties <laughs> for me, and then I was put into custody of a different family. And no, yeah. I don't talk to my mom. <laughs> uh, but so like the, the weekend, the weekend after my dad's funeral, my we went to my uncle's beach house for a week, just to kind of like stay there and have some space mm-hmm. and my mom had bought me this to watch on video before auditioning yeah. so I could familiar familiarize myself with the material with it, yeah. and I'm sitting there you know going through what is like the most traumatic like period of my life and all of a sudden like there's titties and I'm just like <laughs> I'm 13 years old and just You're like right. wait a minute like wh- and interesting I, I yes I was not what I was expecting here and we we watched it in choir too like once it had been cast everyone had to sit and watch it and I mean, it's 13 year olds. You can imagine just how giggly insane. <laughs> yes. Everyone's like, oh, sh- oh my God. Oh, yeah. oh, there's tid- oh, look at the nipples, boobs. boobs. Uh. And um, I, I just, you know, I felt so, so much for my choir teacher having to show that to kids <laughs> and, and shepherd that around. But um, can you see what I mean? Like, I, I've been thinking about this today, too. And I had mentioned that there's only one like leading role for a, a, a woman in this and it's the narrator right. so with with my school all of the the people who had been called back for the narrator but didn't get it yeah. were wives and that was the group I was placed in and just like it really does feel fucking thankless you know yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting there like yeah. man at, like at, le- at least the children's choir they know what they are you know Wait, so when and when you actually see this in the in the theater or when you actually see like a, a Broadway production of it or a proper on stage production of it, is it, are there just a bunch of kids like in the back, like just sort of hanging out? Are they in the pit? Like, what is that? How is that typically done? The touring production that I saw did not have a children's choir. It just kind of had like the general ensemble singing all of the music because it was a touring production okay. and having like ma- right, massive right. amounts of children would be. Very hard. Be very think... easy to travel with them. It's problem. No, you just get a school bus, throw them all in there. <laughs> yeah, throw, throw tater tots at them. Right. <laughs> I was about to say, give them a Capri Sun, and they're happy. Yeah, like um, that's their I'd be contract. so stoked, Capri Sun, and I'm on the road. This is the best. I right, yeah. Just being one of those traveling Joseph kids, like your school's the, <laughs> the road and the stage. Uh, yeah, no, but like when I, when I saw it, it was um just the, the adults all in the ensemble um singing mm-hmm. the backup parts. Unless, but I was so you, very, very drunk when I saw it. So maybe there were, ch- <laughs> <laughs> maybe there were children. Maybe we all have that inner child in us. But um, no, like it was, it was just the adults uh, doing the ensemble. Uh, the last so, time I saw so it. So you, you have like you said quite a lot of thoughts about this, right? Mm-hmm. That you, because because my sort of reaction to it watching it was. I, I was I texted you and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, Angie, what the fuck is this? Mm. <laughs> I was like, 
I was waiting for it too. I was like, I'll know, yeah. I'll know when he's finally watching Joseph. Right, right. Because I will it get just was text. like this fucking music. I was like, there. I, I, I was at a loss for words. I just sort of uh, <laughs> like, and I also was just trying to figure out like, what am I gonna say about this? Like, they're all. Like there's a there's like a fucking hoedown musical number after like they kill their brother and mm-hmm. lie to their dad about it and yeah. they're sort of square dancing, and yeah. like then that transition to some weird like like sprockets like do you remember that sketch <laughs> yes, from yes. SNL yeah but like it's this weird black and white Illuminati like mind control thing because they're like oh it's pyramids and they're all wearing these weird glasses and I was yeah. like what the fuck is happening there was like I did uh, actually manage to watch it a second time too because I was like wait what and I'm like nope still I don't understand this you watched it twice <laughs> I did well it was short so I was I wanted to be prepared wow that is I'm like I, t- I take I this craft think, very seriously. I thought <laughs> I thought you were gonna watch it once, um, immediately pick up your TV, and then like throw it out the window. <laughs> I, I, I did sort of was like sad the rest of the night. I, I have this moment a lot of times when we watch these musicals, and if I don't like it, like mm-hmm. usually it'll happen like a third of the way into it. Sure. Where I'll just sort of have this existential panic. It'll just sort of wash over me. Where I'm like. What am I doing with my life? Why am I watching musicals? Like, is this, why is this the thing that's happened? Where did I go wrong? Like, why is this where I ended up? And I, and I just sort of like eventually calmed down and then watched the rest of the show. But that definitely happened to me a little bit when I was watching it the first time. Well, the, like, but I got over it. When, when I was, when I was watching it in, in preparation for this, um, like 10 minutes in, I was like, there are so many things in this that I know Kaveh is already going to hate. Like, there's a ton of children <laughs> just going, I actually uh, don't mind that part of it. Oh, that's nice. Good for you. The children's choir is okay. I like children's choir. I think that's always fun. Oh, oh I didn't know that about you. Well, now that I know yeah. that, it's going to be all children. I'm choirs. great with kids. I, I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware <laughs> of this, but little kids love me. They see me oh. as a as an equal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wow, he's he's totally a mess too. I'm barely hanging it together. And yeah, exactly. Needs help like, just getting dressed in the morning. I think they just feel bad for me. They're like, oh. we're a little bit intellectually <laughs> superior to him. So, you know, we should just be, they take pity on me. The thing that I stood out to me then, and I, and I am really interested in, in just because I know there are certain things that like are like hairline triggers for you, but the song that is just about the coat where it's all just like colors mm-hmm. being listed. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Yellow and green and pink and purple. Yes. I, oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, you're right. That's sort of a, that's an Andrew Lloyd Webber kind of thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was like, oh, I was like, he's going to, well, th- th- I mean, I guess it's a Tim Rice thing too. I mean, and Tim Rice, I think is a, is a great lyricist. Like he also, outside of doing, you know, this and Evita and Jesus Christ Superstar, did the lyrics for The Lion King. He did the lyrics mm-hmm. for uh, some of the lyrics that Howard Ashman didn't finish because he had passed away before it had been finished, before mm-hmm. Aladdin. Um, um, he's, he's yeah, the, I remember him as the Disney Renaissance guy for sure. That's that's mostly I remember Tim Rice from. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like the later end of the uh, Disney Renaissance, he so uh-huh. he's he's a very talented man. But like that song in particular, you just go like, no, where and, and you want to know what I can do that whole list by heart, like with one hundred percent accuracy. It is like, oh no, baked into my brain. It is just like I wish people could see your face right now. <laughs> like it's I, funny because until you just said that, I didn't make that connection about why that song bothered me so much. Oh, but really? You're right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're right, because I was like, why does this sound annoyingly familiar? And I couldn't figure out what it was. But they're yeah, just saying me, shit. They're just listing shit. It's like that list song or like the letter song that's in Phantom, right? Where they're just like listing shit, and then everyone's talking over each other. Yeah. 
They're going, it was red and yellow and green yeah. and, and yellow and, and green and, and, and I'm like, black yes, and... I'm aware. I'm watching it. I can yes. see the, the coat. It's very clear. But also clear. it's ruby and olive and violet and fawn <laughs> and lilac and gold and chocolate and mauve and cream and... Sorry, I literally, I've forgotten like my best friend's names in elementary school. I've forgotten right, right, my favorite teacher. That. I will go to my grave going cream and crimson and silver and rose <laughs> and azure and lemon and russet and... Like, oh, can you imagine how much my siblings must have hated me while I was uh, re- rehearsing yeah, I don't, the show? I don't think it's hard to imagine in this moment specifically. <laughs> Just like, even if being the narrator is scary, being in the show is scary. Because if you live with anybody while you're rehearsing for it, they will want to fucking kill you. Like, want to yeah, fucking and, kill and you. It also, it also made me think bro- more broadly of musicals. And I don't know if I've ever... We may have discussed this at some point in some episode, but we've done so many of these now that I don't remember. But like, I feel like to a large extent, if you're somebody who's been in a musical or who's been in musicals, Mm -hmm. that's what informs your love of them. Sure. Like most people you end up talking to are just like, oh, I was in this production or I did this or I did theater or whatever. Not 100 percent, obviously, but like a lot of people do. And I think if you're just not in them, like because I I did do like a musical or two as a kid, just kind of like as everyone does. Mm -hmm. But and and so like I get it like you're on stage and you're singing and it's fun and mm-hmm. it's like nerve wracking and there's a crap, but it's it's sort of to me the, the best analog I could think of is like well I I play guitar so I listen to a lot of guitar music sure and like and I'll play songs for people who don't necessarily play guitar and they're sort of like cool whatever like we don't really give a shit because they're not <laughs> interested in it because they don't play guitar so they don't necessarily like relate to it sure yeah but to me it's this thing where I'm like oh my god no this is listen to what he's doing here like with the <laughs> finger tap or whatever the fuck sure and I feel like that's what this this to me feels like something that's the epitome of like people who like were in musicals probably love this because it reminds them of being in a musical and they can relate to it but I fundamentally I was like this is so like I can't relate to any of this. Well, you're a 38 year old man watching a children children's musical, you know, that was written basically in the late 60s. So I'm just like, <laughs> there. You know how they say like, oh, some Venn diagrams are just one circle. It's like this is a the circle, opposite. Right. It becomes a circle again because they're so far apart that they swing around the entire globe and then eventually right, meet right. in the center again. Meet so on the other side. Yeah. But my point is, I tr- I really did try. That's sure. why I watched the second time. I was like, there has to be something here that like <laughs> this many people because it's still going. It's such like a beloved hit, like you said. But I'm like, it must just be the fact that everybody grew up with it, and so it's sort of is this reinforcing thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, I mean, I I genuinely do like the the Sound of Music, which is another like family musical that a lot yeah, of people yeah, yeah. grow up with. Like there are things that I think, I think the Sound of Music does have a artistic merit even if it's not my favorite show but joseph is just pretty much like this fucking dumb man (laughs) like (laughs) there's there's like not an iota of like again i hate saying that because so many people work on this yeah it's just like here's a nice story like and again obviously this was written for something like fun for kids to perform and that's that's the other reason why i was like i don't want to i'm like how do you shit on something that's sort of not that you would just make crap for kids but just i'm like i get it like whatever it's fine it's it's like free speech. Like, that, you have a right to say this. Like, and I'll defend your right to make stuff like this, even if I don't agree with you. But I'm sort of like, I, whatever. By the way, so we we rented it on Amazon, and and Sarah's mom back in Michigan, she apparently liked this. Oh, you asked me before about Sarah. Sarah hadn't seen it. She okay. actually was not able to watch it because I had to watch it during the day. Uh, but Sarah's mom really liked it aw. from back in the day, and she was like, "Oh, I'll watch it again because I haven't seen it in forever." Uh, and she sent a text to Sarah telling her telling me her thoughts about it, which I think. 
very aptly or and very succinctly describe the similar feelings that I had about it. And it's the most mom text of all time. It says, okay, watch it all, but don't really know what it was all about. Laughing, crying emoji, <laughs> family triumphs over evil, five question marks, very colorful, <laughs> but would never pay to see it on Broadway for sure. Three exclamation points. Ha ha. <laughs> that, that really does kind of like sum it up, man. That like, sums it up. I'm like, yep. There's no like real deep, like G- at least with like Jesus Christ Superstar, you're like, wow, like I can see what they're trying to do. They're like pulling like a last temptation of Christ. Like Jesus was this really mm-hmm. human guy and he had his struggles and like, you know, Judas gets a raw deal in the Bible and let's like explore that a bit. But like jo- Joseph is just like, there is not a brain cell in it. It is like, I mean, <laughs> that moment where like his brother's are going to kill him and then sell him into slavery is like set to this really kicky little like beat. Dude, and you're just like, it reminded me of fucking Robin Hood men in tights. Like they're all just like wearing sunglasses and like these old timey outfits. <laughs> it was really strange. It, well, it's one of this, I, I, you know, I think the thing that the strangeness is kind of why I'm endeared to it so much. Like it is yeah. just one of those, like, it does not give How much cocaine fuck. was done when you guys were writing this. It is like cocaine, the musical in the same way that like his, Oh man, I, I'm so sad. There's not a pro shot of it because it is like the creme de la creme of bat shit. Angeloid Weber shows uh, Starlight Express, which is about mm-hmm. a boy's toy trains. Um, like it is, it is That's the most cool. cocaine show. It is. It's it's a bunch of people on roller skates. If you thought like people in Lycra as cats was a lot, you got to see people dressed as trains, like in like well, these mecha suits on roller seeing, skates. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sounds more appealing, to well, be honest with you. I. Could actually see you being a Starlight Express fan. No. Maybe. Because uh, I, I do like trains. But but also because there's this element of this that felt, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, like youth pastory a little bit. Where it's oh, like, here's this sure. biblical story that we're telling. And it sort of just was like, I felt like I, yeah, like I was going to church in a yeah. way where they were like, you would like this. In a tr-, and it, so it just sort of made me more like, get away from me. No. It does feel like, um, like I would always be, I, I grew up like really super Catholic and I'd have friends who were like my age in high school who'd be like, no, VeggieTales is fun. Like, yeah, it's religious, but it's like, it's fun. And I would just be like, it's still like a cartoon of Bible stories for five-year-olds why do you like this? You know, why can't you yeah. let this go? And I guess this is me having a moment of reflection going like, why can't you let this go? Because this is basically VeggieTales. Um, it's basically VeggieTales, the musical. It's VeggieTales, but horny. Like, <laughs> but again, Honestly, that makes that's a good pitch, though. I think a lot of people would probably <laughs> be like, VeggieTales, but horny, sign me up. It'd be really popular on Tumblr. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine like the the like advertising for this where it would just be like, <laughs> VeggieTales, dot, 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 but horny. And you'd be they like. Put, it would be like, quote, co-host. <laughs> Musical yeah. swing, Angelina Mead. Veggie tales, but horny. Like, yeah, I'm gonna mount a production of Joseph just to <laughs> use my own quote in in a byline for it. It is, it is very like, you see, like, see, the Bible can be fun. Like, it's like when you are like, oh, we're gonna go to Disney World, and your mom's like, no, we're going to the Holy Land experience in Orlando. You know, like, um, which that just closed down sadly. So I never got to actually experience that insanity, but it feels it's, it's a lot like that. It's like we put Jesus in jeans, you know, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had mentioned earlier in the first part that there's like a lot of weird cognitive dissonance going on in yeah, this show. Yeah, yeah. Just like, again, like Donnie Osmond is just the most, I, I, you know, I have friends that live out in like Provo, Utah and Salt Lake city and everyone has like an Osmond family story. And apparently they're all mm-hmm. fucking insane. And Donnie Osmond is also just like the most squeaky clean like person yeah. I can think of. And like, he, I'm not saying like he's, I'm sure to so many people, he's very attractive. He was a teenage heartthrob back in the day, but like, he's like the opposite of sex 
to me. And yet this camera <laughs> is like constantly Abstinence. lingering. Yeah, like and it's just like it's like looking at like uh, like a bouquet of flowers for a new baby. So I had a lot of questions sort of about the it's uh, it's sort of legacy and its impact because even just watching this version of it it made me it uh, Moulin Rouge came to mind. Oh, interesting. As far as far as it being a sort of uh, and I don't know if that's the musical itself or just this mm-hmm. filmed version of it, but mm-hmm. it's very like, you know, it go, it's it's not quite a jukebox. It, obviously, it's not a jukebox musical because it's a bunch of songs that they wrote. Right. But it, it sort of borrows that idea of like, we'll go from like a million different genres. So it's yeah. essentially a jukebox musical, even though they're originals, which reminded me of what Moulin Rouge was. And also, I think particularly that scene where... Um, all the brothers are sitting around. I can't remember what the song is, but when they're sad and they're doing like the French mopey, like outside the oh, cafe. Oh, those Canaan days. One. Yeah. 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 Those Canaan days. Like that sort of reminded me of Moulin Rouge. I guess that's sort of what I had in my mind. But I, I imagine, and I also was thinking of Book of Mormon, which I haven't seen, but uh, I imagine that that that's somewhat, and I guess, I don't know, I guess I'm sort of just asking you like, have those all been influenced by this? Obviously everything's been influenced by like the older ones that are really big, but is there more you can speak to in terms of like what a direct lineage, what shows that come from this? I I don't know if I can speak so much to to Moulin Rouge being influenced by it. Um, <laughs> that is never that is not even a connection I had ever had thought to make in my head. Sure. Um, and then, sorry, the second show you had mentioned was Book of Mormon. I think. Yeah. I think in in a sense, like, and and I can't speak to this because I am not a Latter Day Saint, but Joseph mm-hmm. does have a huge fan base in in the Mormon community and it does get performed a lot, especially in Utah and obviously Donny mm-hmm. Osmond is in it and he's just maybe the most famous Mormon man alive mm-hmm. right now, uh, besides like Mitt Romney. Um, I can't imagine that Trey Parker and Matt Stone didn't look at some of what, uh, uh, like of what uh, Joseph is and go like, well, that'll just be fun to make fun. I, like, I, I, yeah, I don't know if I can speak to any direct influence there, but like okay. it, it is, I think more in terms of like just seeing Andrew Lloyd Webber's kind of career through Joseph is what's interesting yeah. to me because like okay. uh, I had mentioned, or yeah, we had talked about this, like so much of it is yeah. just pastiche. And of course he was 17 and also pastiche is a very easy thing to do in comedy when you're trying to get a point across or like a mood across. Like, of course you would do a smoky sad cabaret number when his brothers are being <laughs> sad and silly and have da- like, Oh, my favorite shot in the whole thing where like, the, the one wife like goes and flashes her leg to Richard Attenborough and he makes this like, I am going to pork He's this like, woman oh. face. Yes. He goes, he goes, oh, like that. And you're just like, old ah. man boner. Yeah. I have to think about that for a while on top of about 8,000 other things this musical has put in front of me. Uh, what's interesting to me is like hearing like the Angela Lloyd Webberness in it in moments mm-hmm. like the song Any Dream Will Do and like the big finale of it at the end is like the yeah. only moment where it really sounds like Andrew Lloyd Webber, but it sounds so much like everything he's ever written that you're like, God damn, he really nailed this down early and leaned yeah. into it over over the years in a way that like nobody has ever made a sound for themselves and then like leaned into it that hard. Like I hear every single show he's ever written. <laughs> it sells. <in> Joseph. <laughs> it makes money. He's like, oh shit, man, this is gonna, mm, this is just doing it for me, man. Um, But uh <laughs> I, I, he's I'm like Kenny just, G. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like, watch that Kenny G doc, by the way? No. Oh, there's a Kenny G documentary? Oh, it's incredible. It's, oh. it's, it's, I forget. What's that show? There was like an HBO show where they do like these one hours about like all these different musicians. Oh, but one oh, of them that I they know. do about Kenny G is, 
is uh, it, he's really interesting, but uh, this is relevant, I promise. But mm-hmm. he basically talks about how he's like obsessive about like figuring out what that thing is and then just sort of like doing that thing. Like, yeah. over and over. he's not really like he's like, I'm a I'm not like a musician. I'm trying to like figure this out as like a hack sort of. Right. Not like he's a hack musician, but like, you know, he's not in it for like the feeling of the music. He's just obsessive about nailing that exact thing and refining it. Yeah. It's like he's like, I have like realizing you're good at something and leading into it right. really hard. Right, and, like, right, it's right. like I respect it. I respect that hustle like when you realize i am good at this um yeah. i'm going to keep doing this um and that is uh, how adam sandler has so much money and then gets to make you know yeah. something like um uncut gems uh <laughs> on the side you know you just keep yeah. going oh do the itty bitty bobby voice yeah. and then like and then later in his career you can do whatever the you fuck he wants up 35 or whatever the fuck he's on right now yeah like i mean Andrew Lloyd weber has leaned into like everything that he has done in joseph and he does love pastiche i mean all of his other shows are just he picks a pet you know one thing and then leans into it really hard like obviously yeah. phantom um evita he really goes for that i'm going to do south american music and but also make it an opera you know like uh, yeah yeah uh, mashups uh, and you know what when you figure that out at 17 i think that's pretty impressive <laughs> honestly yeah, i might, I might yeah, not obviously. like it yeah. but uh um uh, y- you want to go like oh hey, hey good for you man um yeah but um i think that he's always been so happy to return to it um not uh, maybe for money, but also just because, like, he's not embarrassed by it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of sweet. Like, they had in, in the UK, where all of the reality shows are absolutely insane, they had a reality show called Any Dream Will Do, which was... Uh, oh, God. It was, it was looking for the next Joseph in a new production of Joseph the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, because he's going to... Oh, he's, okay. he's, he's happy to milk that show for as long as he can. You know, he won't do that with... Starlight Express or Song and Dance um, or, or A Beautiful Game or any of his other kind of forgotten shows, but he will go back to Joseph. I do highly recommend anyone listening to this, if you want a good read, to read his memoirs because they are actually very fun to read. Um, he's a very mm-hmm. engaging and very self-deprecating and self, but also very self-aware. Okay. Until, uh, like, he'll be self-aware, but then he'll be like, oh, you know, me and Sarah Brightman, we went off to our villa in, you know, Amalfi uh, for the weekend when I was sitting here and thinking about writing uh, another musical uh, and you're just like okay well now you've completely lost me on that like you're lost that level me, right? you're that level of wealthy where like there's just this kind of disconnect but like um, just the amount of love that I think he he does have for the show is, is is very sweet still you know I don't look at anything that I made when I was 17 related but I made so many Older older millennials will know the YouTube poops. I made so many Joseph YouTube poops. Like YouTube poops. YouTube poops. Like that. <laughs> that was like what? a thing. YouTube poops. Is this like, a sweaty dumps thing again? No, it's not a sweaty dumps <laughs> thing. I swear to God, it's not a sweaty dumps thing. I will never let that down. God damn it. Uh, no, it's it's not a sweaty dumps thing. Uh, YouTube poop um, was just. It's like a genre of YouTube video where you take a random thing and just mash it up. Like a very popular one is Gaston, like the song Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, another one is just like those awful Zelda CDI video games. Um, you just take things and mash them up and make them say dumb stuff like boner, you know, like you just edit it to be oh, stupid. Okay, okay, okay. Like it's like the pre Tim and like expression of like Tim and Eric, like that kind of meaningless. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I used yeah, to yeah. make Joseph the Amazing Technicolor Dream too. <laughs> You dream too. I can't even talk right now. I'm so embarrassed. Just of the music called Dream Co. Poop, YouTube poops. I will probably go and find them because uh, they're not all, like they're on. not like I'm embarrassed to show people to make them, but like they are very stupid. Um, I, I made <laughs> a bunch of them for like my friends back in college because we had all been in Joseph at some point in our mm-hmm. lives. You know, again, like mm-hmm. this communal experience. Like 
you done theater, yeah. you done Joseph, you know. You've, you done Joseph, yeah, you still love it no matter what because it, it takes you back to a simpler time. It really, even though like I had like such a tortured, terrible experience with yeah. Joseph and it's still just like. It's still simpler than now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'd give anything to go back to being 13. No. It was also a weird weekend because it was the first time I'd seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like I saw both that. Man, this is like an eventful couple of like months. In it your was life. just like it's the rough. most. Ins- it really, honestly, I feel bad for talking about it nonstop. But like, there no, was just, no, no, no. It's, and that was it's like, important. That was the beginning of like me, essentially. You know, yeah. Like, just everything that I am, my my id was like permanently fertilized there. And no, I think I, it's so interesting. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> I'd seen. I we watched Joseph at the Beach House, and then VH1 was playing Rocky Horror Picture Show, was about which is about as opposite. Of a show, as you, although actually, maybe now that I think about it, they're not that dissimilar. It's similar. This actually would be a very good like live show for me, Joseph. Like, there's so much stupid shit in it that you're just kind of like, I want to yell at the screen and I want it to be acceptable that I do this in a theater, <laughs> and I can't do it when I'm seeing a live show. But Joseph has that kind of like. I want to yell you at You can. Them. You might just get escorted out and yeah. waste your $150 or however much you spent on your ticket. When I saw Love Never Dies live, it was so hard to not like just scream at the stage all of my horrible thoughts. Um, <laughs> but like Joseph kind of has that kind of like punch. It, it's a very punchable show. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> like, yes, very much so. You you definitely. And when I when I saw it, um, just this touring production, the, the, the guys playing the brothers like totally like leaned into how stupid it was. And it was actually pretty fun to watch. But um, yeah, like there's just like a lot of nonsense to it. that there, Like you said, we, there is no real like moral question being asked by it you know like right right especially because it's a biblical story i just sort of like what is the what's like the moral of it like yeah. what's the po- what, are, what are you supposed to glean from this exactly like yeah. am i supposed to be like joseph and just i, I guess it's like to have like faith in yourself or I, something i, I don't I, really understand yeah because you're like you're like sitting there you're waiting don't for that murder moment. your brother don't murder your brother don't try not <laughs> don't to murder. Put, sell your brother into slavery yeah. i guess you can fuck around with them. There's a little bit of healthy fucking around, you know. Don't yeah. don't actually like put your brother in prison, but like, you know, if they were dicks to you, you can be a dick to them. Is like the moral. Yeah. Like, no, you're sitting there, you're waiting, and I do remember watching this show for the very first time on B, like watching this this movie and yeah. going, okay, well, when's when's like I'm, you know, I'm in eighth grade literature. That's when you start really learning about like how you build a story, and yeah, yeah. I'm like waiting for it, and his dad comes, and the narrator's there, and you're like, okay, so there's going to be some moment where we all talk about, and just just goes like. I closed my eyes. Any dream will do. And you're like, wait, what the fuck does that mean? What, what does the that fuck mean? does that mean? I'm sorry, Tim. Yeah. Rice. Like, Tim Rice really just wanted to write a Sergeant Pepper's, and he couldn't do that, so he he wrote the words for this. And yeah, I understand, man. You got to start somewhere, though, buddy. It'll come to you. Like to relate it back to Tick Tick Boom last week, Tim Rice. Yeah, you can't be Stephen Sondheim yet. You got to have. Yeah. You got to. You got to push through it first, baby. You know, like you, you can't just be a success immediately. You this gotta write your Joseph. Uh, what was it? Superbia. Is <laughs> yeah, this is his superbia. <laughs> superbia. This is his sci-fi, whatever the fuck. Yeah, Stephen Sondheim came and saw Joseph, and he's like, "I like it, but why is Joseph the way he is?" You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were both All very right. sad. <laughs> yeah, folks. So the moral, the, our moral of this is, whatever you write as your first thing will probably not be the best thing you ever write, but you got to keep going. That's that's the consistent through line from last week's episode. Yeah, of this week's, and it will, st- I think, honestly, stick with you and. You're always like I just played this video game and the moral of it was basically like none of the shit matters when you are going to die. You're always going to be the kid that grew up on blah, blah, blah street. And I feel like that is what this show is, you know, and you could say Angela yeah. Webber is loud and flashy and his shows don't have a point. 
And then you go and look at Joseph and you're like, okay, well, good for you, man. You've been, you've been, you've been doing what you've been doing, man. Um, I'm very interested. <laughs> good for her. Give. Good for her. Yeah, exactly. Like I respect the game. Okay. Like I'm at the, I'm at the point where I'm old enough to say like, I respect you, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Now I, I do have one question for you. Um, yeah. Was there anything that you did like? Uh, <laughs> Your eyes kind of like did like I, this very like gentle uh, fluttering up. Like, do I really have to entertain? I liked the part where they tore the goat apart. I thought that was really funny. Oh yeah, because they were gonna put the goat blood onto the jacket. I thought that was like really morbid and bizarre. Like yeah. you just tear this thing limb from limb. I thought it was like really strange. My 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 um, favorite part is when you see the sheep skeletons just like rolling in like during those canon yeah, yeah. days. I was like, oh, this is awesome, man. <laughs> I mean, I have to say with the exception of the the listing colors song mm-hmm. being like really annoying, like the songs weren't necessarily bad. Even like the first song that Joseph comes out to, it's uh, what is it? It's uh, Jacob. the dr- um no no, no the one where he's Oh, the, any any it? dream. It's, it's another any dream will do. Yeah. Um, it's not, even I was just sort of was listening to the melody of him coming in. I was like, it's a nice melody. Like it's a yeah. nice song. Yeah. So the songs are overall okay, okay. Which really is like, when you have a fucking sung through musical, obviously like, you know, that's sort of your bread and butter. And sure. if that, if those suck, the rest of it's going to be terrible. So <laughs> I, I would say that the songs weren't as bad as, as the rest of the production sort of, bo- I mean, a lot of sure. it, obviously a lot of it bothered me, but yeah. the, I didn't hate the songs necessarily. Uh, I guess that's as much of a compliment as I can give. I will take it. Like I, I, I think it's a very fun show to sing. Like the melodies are very fun. Like yeah, yeah. And I've seen a lot of shows where that is not the case. So you know, Joseph at least has that going on. Um, <laughs> which I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, it, it was sort of what I was talking about earlier. Where like I can see how when you're a kid, you're like, this is a fun song to sing. Like it's memorable. Like the melodies are good. Like I, I could see why that would be something that would stick with you long term. So I. I I get that part of it for sure. Awesome. Awesome. I, I just, with, yeah. with one of the other shows I really want to do soon, um, which is also a family show that I think mm-hmm. will make a very interesting contrast that I won't say it. I, I'm glad we saw this one first is, is what it will do because there's another show that I have in my head that I know other people have wanted us to do that is mm. incredibly different direction, but also a family show. And I'm glad we saw Good this tease. first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed this, please go and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, I actually just got an email. We're up on Amazon Music now, which I think means that we're also on Audible finally. Oh, oh, wow. So, yeah, go ahead and leave us a review. Let us know how you feel about the show. Um, You can follow updates on Twitter. We're at Musical Splaining with no G and at Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. Um, My personal account, I'm at Kavataharian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram, where I continue to do my Avocado Chronicles comics. So go give it a look. Yes, and I am Y Angelina Y on Twitter. That is the word Y W H Y Angelina W H Y, and I am Angelina underscore S E E on Instagram, where you could just see pictures of me crying over my family and my dog. So if and you your like beautiful that, beautiful daughter, my beautiful daughter who turned three today, and who I hope today. never. Who, yeah, I hope you know it's like she's a theatrical kid. One of these days, I'm gonna have to sit and see a production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah. Life has come full circle. Happy birthday, Joe. She'll (laughs) listen to this one day and then she'll be like, oh, God, I got a shout out on the podcast. Yeah. Clout. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Future influencer of America. Just like Hollywood Uh, royalty, you know. Yeah, right. (laughs) Okay, guys, thanks for listening and we will see you at the streaming service. Goodbye.